The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Man, I'm excited. This morning, I was saying the first service, uh, uh, Arthur and Kathy have actually come to Faith Hill Church uh, every year since inception. You know, uh, that's, that's seven years. That's seven times in a row. Amen. And they just, they've just been so gracious uh, to us to uh, make time to come uh, every year and minister here at Faith Hill Church. And man, we love them so much. I was saying to Arthur, just to brace you up, right? I was saying to Arthur in the first service, I was saying, every time you come, when I listen to the message, man, I'm sitting there thinking next year, there is no way he's going to top that. And then he always knocks the ball out the park, okay? So today, you are in for a treat. Why don't you stand on your feet? Let's put our hands together as we welcome Arthur Manchis, everybody. Thank you, brother. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hello, Faith Hill Church. Praise God. Please be seated. Again, I want to just say, you know, Pastor Tafara and, and Chipo, uh, you know, pastors after my own heart. And uh, so thank you so much. Again, Kathy and I are so blessed to I can't believe it's seven years. It doesn't feel like seven years. And, um, and, and it's one of the highlights for us to come and to be part and to see all of your lovely faces, recognize so many of you, but there's so many people I don't recognize. Amen? And uh, so we just want to uh, just say thank you, and we are honored. We are really honored that you have us come, that you have me speak here. Um, and um, I know that we, I know Pastor Tafara and myself are going to be ministering quite a bit together in January, and so we're looking forward to just hanging out with him too. Amen. Praise God. How many of you are just ready for the word? Amen. You know, I just want to let you know I did bring some product. Um, I brought uh, three of uh, the three titles of my book, Knowing and Experiencing God, you know, again, this book uh, has been used all over the world. Um, we actually have a workbook now that goes with this book uh, for people to use it in Bible studies. It has 22 lessons in it. Uh, people use it in uh, you know, institutions like prisons, um, uh, uh, rehabilitation centers and places like that. Uh, because, you know, the, the truth is that uh, people know about God. Uh, and so much of what has been preached from the pulpit is just knowledge, theological knowledge about God. Uh, but the truth is you and I need to experience him. Not just to know about him, but to experience him and to know him intimately. So this book I really would highly recommend. Uh, $250. No, Rand. <laughs> 250 rand for the, I tell you, they, these, these numbers here are just, it gets me. I, I got, I, I took my, my daughter and, and, and her husband and, and the children out for dinner the other day for breakfast and the bill came in and I looked at the bill and I said, what? <laughs> and it's like, I mean, you know, those, that, those are big, those are big numbers, you know, I mean, especially when it's over a thousand rand, it's like a thousand rand? And then I got to calculate back to dollars, yeah, and it's not that bad. Amen. And then uh, guilt-free living. So many people live in guilt. And so many Christians believe guilt is a Christian emotion. Uh, a lot of people believe that guilt is the Holy Spirit that uh, is convicting them of their sin. And that, no, God wants you to live guilt-free. Hallelujah. So go and have a look. This is um, 200 Rand, Kathy? 200 Rand. And then my newest book. And I really would recommend this book. If you don't get anything, get this book. Uh, it, the subtitle is Discover a Divine Identity. 
is really talking, this is all about identity, uh, discovering who you really are. And in this book, uh, I share, you know, just give you a couple of the things here. Uh, God had a plan. And, uh, you know, we, we tend to always think about God's creation. When he created, you know, God just woke up one morning and it's like, what am I going to do? I'm, you know, no, God had a plan. And the plan is you. Hallelujah. And because God had you in mind and in, as a plan, he created. Hallelujah. That means that you and I are the reason for creation. And then when we understand that, uh, you know, we talk about the true nature and character of God here, uh, the, uh, you know, biblical self-worth. Sometimes people talk and say, well, this is all about self-worth, and isn't that very selfish? No. Self-worth, it's a biblical self-worth. It's a Christ-centered self-worth, understanding who we really are. Uh, unfortunately, many Christians do not understand. Many Christians have no clue who God is, and they have no clue who they are. And because of that, they suffer. Amen? So please go and help yourself to that. There should still be some left there. I don't think the, the first service has cleared it all out. Hallelujah. But you're welcome to do that. Then I can take an empty suitcase with me. Amen. Praise God. How many of you ready for the word? Amen. Well, we're going to get right into it right now. And uh, I want to talk to you today about the fact that the world that you and I are living in right now is a world where so many people are struggling and dealing with the, the very real feelings and emotions of loneliness and abandonment, a sense of being forsaken. Uh, I didn't realize this myself, uh, and 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 because of you know sometimes we can live like in a bubble, and we don't necessarily realize what people are dealing with uh, in the world and also in the church. And you know recent events, uh, the last two years that we've been uh, with uh, around the world with the whole uh, coronavirus uh, epidemic and, and, and whatever, you know, I want, to, I want to be disparaging against it almost, but I've got to keep myself, <laughs> amen. But uh, we, you know, what's happened and the way people have responded and uh, how governments have, have responded and with the lockdowns and, you know, even here in, in South Africa with, uh, you know, uh, curfews and people staying away. Kathy and I, uh, you know, were, were, were surprised. I can't remember where we were and, and we were... Um, at a place where uh, we were in a restaurant somewhere and there was a whole group of people that got together, but they, they were a family that hadn't seen each other in over a year. Remember that, Kathy? And, I mean, they, they, were, they were staying away from one another. They haven't been... Uh, I mean, this is a close family, a grandfather, grandmother, mother, you know, children, and they, they, they weren't coming together. And even when they were there, they were so fearful. And I was thinking about how people are living. There are many people right now that are living and experiencing tremendous loneliness, tremendous... Uh, uh, a sense of being forsaken and nobody really cares. And, and in the church, I think that we don't realize how people are struggling with this. Now, studies have shown that uh, a sense of loneliness, abandonment, isolation can lead to all kinds of emotional and psychological problems that people have been dealing with. And I think because of the world events, this has kind of pushed it to the top. And people are really kind of uh, coming to the place where they can't deal with this uh, situation in their lives anymore. And, and people are really having some mental problems. They are having some mental issues. In fact, what they have shown is that uh, loneliness, abandonment, isolation can lead to emotional, psychological problems that can be as dangerous to you physically, to your physical body, as smoking a pack of cigarettes every day. Now, 
the, the, the one pack of cigarettes and the second pack of cigarettes, you're not going to see a, a, a huge difference. But when this starts to pile up, then after so many years of smoking cigarettes, your body is going to give up somewhere. You're going to have some negative effect in your body. It's dangerous to our bodies, right? Well, just the sense of loneliness, living with that sense of being alone and being forsaken, uh, 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 abandonment can have an effect on you physically that within a period of time, it will, it will actually, they've proven, it will bring your immune system to where it won't fight for you anymore. Man, that's, I, I think about that you know, just in, in what we're dealing with here and how many people are struggling and, and the situation is making it worse. Amen? So we've got to understand is that I was listening to a neurologist, a very famous and well-known, respected neurologist, and this is what he said. He said, these emotions of loneliness, abandonment, feeling forsaken, has the, it affects your blood flow in your body. It has, it's connected to heart disease. But more importantly, it causes people to become mentally and emotionally unstable to the place where it weakens your immune system and shortens your life. And so we don't always think how that it can actually contribute to things like OCD, uh, anxiety. You can't believe how many people are struggling with anxiety and OCD and depression in the church. People who are surrounded with people, they get, they, this doesn't mean that they don't have people around them. It just means that they feel and their emotional uh, experience is that they are forsaken. Nobody really cares. And sometimes I think that, that in the society we're living in right now, uh, the way we actually communicate with one another. I mean, you know... Don't get, I don't want to get too hung up on it. But the way, the way with people, you go and sit in a restaurant and most people are on their phones. They're not communicating. They're not really there. They're not really present. I mean, we know how to say, we know how to ask the right questions when we're around people. We're polite and we know how to, how to be cordial and, not, and we'll ask people, uh, you know, questions. Uh, Kathy and I, many times we'll go and people will say, you know, well, uh, where are you from? Oh, well, we're from South Africa. How many children do you have? And we'll tell them. And how many grandchildren? And they'll be, wow, oh, that's awesome. The next time I meet them, they ask me the same question. Sometimes it's the next day. So what does it tell me? What is it, what's it communicating? It communi- you're not even, you don't care. You don't, I mean, don't ask me this question again because you don't really care. Amen. Hallelujah. So we've got to realize and understand that, listen, a sense of abandonment and forsa- being forsaken and being alone uh, it increases when you find yourself in a place where you are forsaken. And I told the story about how, uh, uh, you know, when I was a, a, a young teenager, uh, my friends and I, there were five of us, we went to this um, this big old house. It was it was a house that stood out in South Af- in South Africa. I think I'm in America, but uh, you know in Middleburg and Pumalanga, and it was this uh, uh, you know uh, a haunted house. It was a it was big. It, it three stories, and and you know the houses they are all just one level. You know just a, what they call in America a ranch style, like houses here. Now you know nowadays you have a lot of double story homes and stuff like that. But in those days, you know they, the, the, the houses. This was a big old house, and it was it was empty for a long time. And and we went there as teenagers, and we're gonna go explore. And there were all kinds of stories how haunted it was, and how that there was a witch that used to live there, and and you know all that kind of stuff. And so we went 
to go explore. And so when I went there with all my friends, I had all my buddies. I mean, I was brave. I had no problem. You know, I just walked into that house at night with a flashlight. It's like you never go there during the day, but during the night. And so, and so we go in there. It's dark. We've got our flashlights. I had this bright flashlight. I walked in there with my buddies. Wow, because I have my friends with me. Only to find out as I went up to the second floor, when I got to the second floor, I was all by myself. My friends decided they're out of there. And they left me, forsook me right there. I can, I can, all of a sudden, you know how with a flashlight you move it, the shadows move? I mean, it was a goblin and a spook and a what? I mean, you know. <laughs> I mean, I came, I came out there, it's like in America, I came out of that house screaming like a girl. <laughs> totally afraid. <laughs> Amen. You see, it's exacerbated. Anxiety. Those disorders are exacerbated when people experience that. Now, I don't know who you, I don't know who's here, but maybe you've experienced it. You know, you might be watching at home online and you might be feeling forsaken. People don't really care. The, uh, nobody knows what's really going on and you feel all by yourself. Thank God for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, when we look at the gospel and the revelation of God in Christ reveals to us that we are not alone. Hallelujah. You know, uh, right through the ages, for more than 2,000 years, men have researched. They've written volumes of books and commentaries, um, uh, you know, papers, exploring, uh, trying to discover and to comprehend the full meaning of Jesus' uh, life, his, his miraculous life, his extraordinary life. How many of you believe that Jesus had an extraordinary life when he lived? I mean, it, and so people have, have, have studied, they've examined, they've tried to figure out, you know, the meaning of, of, of Jesus' life and, and what he came to do, his ministry and, 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 and how he ministered, the message Jesus brought. People have done that. I mean, you look at the, you know, the Vatican, you go to the Vatican Library. I've never been there. I'd like to go there. I'd like to go and see for myself. But there are just multitudes of thousands of books and papers and commentaries that men have over the centuries have written trying to explore the depths of, of God's message to us in Christ. And it's inexhaustible. Um, and, I mean, even today, just think in the modern times, how many books have been written? I mean, I've, I've written five books. You know, just a little bit that I am exploring about Jesus' life and his ministry and his message. And, and understanding that. What, the, what are the motives, you know, that, that God has? But one thing you and I can be very sure of and what is very clear out of the life and the ministry and the message of Jesus Christ is discovering and knowing and the revealing of the true character and the nature of God. And more importantly, also revealing God's true intentions for relationship with you and I. And boy, I'll tell you something, that's something that, that, that uh, all of us can know and should know and is very clearly revealed. Jesus himself said to his disciples, they came and said to him, show us the Father, show us, show us who God is. And Jesus said, if you see me, you have seen the Father. I mean, Paul himself says, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15, he says this, uh, in the Amplified, he says, he, referring to Jesus, is the exact, everybody say exact. He, notice he's not kind of like. He's not kind of like. No, he's the exact likeness of the unseen God. The visible representation of the invisible. I mean, so we can clearly see that Jesus' ministry, his life, his ministry, his message is a, an exact 
example of who God is. And that, that we can get, and most of us should get. But as powerful as, and as supernatural as Jesus' life and ministry and message is, I don't believe that uh, his life and his ministry or his message was, was given to us solely for the purpose of impressing us with his divinity, impressing us and wooing us with his extraordinary abilities. And I'm not playing down on that at all. I mean, the, the, the narrative of Jesus' life and ministry is, is highlighted by all of the wonders and the miracles that he did and accomplished. But I don't believe that it was intended for us solely to be so focused on, on his divinity, and he is divine, he is God. Uh, but I believe uh, we need to realize and understand, as powerful as his ministry was, there is a message I believe God wants us to get. See, when we get so focused on Jesus' divinity, his power, his majesty, his miracle working power, then what will happen is that we tend to miss the, the message God really wants to get across to us. There's, there's, there is a message in the incarnation. Come on now. I mean, next Saturday is Christmas Day. And we are celebrating, you know, we're celebrating Christmas. We, we, our focus is so on the Christmas lights and all the presents and all. But what are we really celebrating? What are we really looking at? What really happened on, on let's say, if 25th of December is Jesus' actual birthday, then we're celebrating an event that has taken place 2,000 plus years ago that is momentous. I mean, it is huge. Are you guys with me here? And, and sometimes what we do is we miss the message that God is trying to communicate with us. I believe it's the same message that God spoke through the prophet Isaiah when he spoke uh, to King Ahaz. Turn with me in your Bibles. Let's go there. Isaiah, or Isaiah, I'm back here in South Africa. I can say it the right way. Isaiah, <laughs> Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. You know what? Let's read from verse 10. Now, this is uh, King Ahaz, God speaking to King Ahaz. And I want you to see verse 10, and I'm reading out of the Amplified Version. So if you have that on the back there, it will, will be good. Verse 10 says, Moreover, the Lord spoke again to King Ahaz, saying, Ask for yourself a sign, a token or proof of the Lord your God, one that will convince you that God has spoken and will keep his word. Ask it either in the depth below or in the heights above. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as the heavens. So let me just stop here for a moment and just say this. Here's God speaking to King Ahaz. Now, there's, there's a lot going on in the story, but I want you to focus on this. God speaks to King Ahaz and says to King Ahaz, I want you, King Ahaz, to ask of me to give you a sign. Everybody say a sign. Give me a, uh, tell me to give you a sign, and I want you to ask as big as you can. He says, don't be shy. He says, let it be as high as the heavens and as deep as Sheol. Don't let this be some, some, you know, make it big. So that when I do this, it will convince you that I am the God who has spoken and I am the God who has and keeps his word or brings it to pass. Amen. So, so then, listen to King Ahaz. See, King Ahaz is like sometimes how we are, and we, we're all pious. So he's, he's all pious. He says, King Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. 
Of course, you know, he's going back to, to what he had learned. It's like, don't you tempt the Lord. Don't you ask the Lord to give you a sign. You know, you, you be a man of faith or whatever it is and just trust God. But God said to him, ask me. Ask me. And I will show you. But he said, oh, no, no. Let it not. I mean, this is how I hear it. I'm hearing him say, let it not be said. That I... King Ahaz has actually tempted God. Amen. So then Isaiah speaks and says, Hear then, O house of David, uh, is it a small thing for you to weary and to try the patience of men? But will you weary and try the patience of my God also? Therefore, hallelujah, listen to this. Therefore now the Lord shall give you a sign. Okay, so God is saying, okay, so King Ahaz, you don't want to ask me for a sign? He says, so now I will give you a sign. Man, I will give you a sign. What is the sign? He says, it is, um, behold, a, a young woman who is unmarried and a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Oh, hallelujah. Let's, let's just say that name together. Emmanuel. I want you just to whisper it. Emmanuel. There's something about that name. You know, when, when you speak that name, when, when many times, and usually over Christmas, the only time we talk about Emmanuel is that you know, we sing it in a, in a hymn, uh, or we, we sing his name in a Christmas carol. But Emmanuel, when you speak that name, there's almost a change in the atmosphere. Why? Because it is speaking about a reality and a truth that is so real, and as as we were worshiping here this morning in the second service now, the Lord just said to me, not only is it real, it's irreversible. Hallelujah. This is a truth that is so real, but it can never be reversed. Oh, hallelujah. Emmanuel, God with us. Just think about that. You are not alone. The fact is, when Christ came into this world and God became a human being, it is an irreversible act that can never be undone. Oh, hallelujah. See, this message is then repeated in the book of Matthew when the angel speaks to Joseph and, and convinces Joseph of, of who Jesus is and he refers to Jesus and he goes back to this promise or this sign that God spoke about through the prophet Isaiah 750 years prior before Christ came. And now the angel speaks to Joseph and he says to Joseph, now I'm going to read this just out of the old King James. He says, behold, a virgin shall be of, with child and shall bring forth a son and, and shall uh, call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Say it with me. God with us. Oh, hallelujah. Now, in the Greek language, that word with there is, is, is known as a primary uh, uh, preposition. And, and, and basically what, it, what it, it means is it's not just to be like I said in the first service. You know, if I go, somebody comes to you, say, let's, you, let's say you're, you're embarking on a, on a, on a, on a venture. And, uh, and I come to Pastor Defara and say, Pastor Defara, yeah, I want you to know I'm with you, man. I mean, you know, that's great. I mean, it's a good thing if God would come and tap you on the shoulder and say, you know, I'm with you. That means I'm behind you. I'm supporting you. That's awesome. But this word with you literally also means to be between you. 
uh, the, the literal translation, be between or amongst you, to be commingled with you. Oh, hallelujah. Commingled with you. Now, I want you to, to keep this in mind as what the Lord spoke to me here. This is an irreversible reality. This is an irreversible reality. That 2,000 plus years ago, God in Christ, you know, of course, that Jesus was God. I mean, he wasn't just kind of like God. He is God. And so when he came, he's now not only just, well, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of morally behind you. No, he's actually intermingled with you. In fact, I, the, the, another way of looking at he is now one with you. He's now one with you. Man, I tell you, scriptures are just coming. John chapter 14 is where Jesus said, he says, in that day, you will know that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me and I'm in you. And we are one. I don't, see, here's the problem. We don't really believe that. We don't really believe that. Because when we pray, we're still praying to a God that's up there somewhere. Uh, when we welcome the Holy Spirit in this place. Oh, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. Here's the reality. When you walked in this place, He was here. He came with you. He is in you. Hallelujah. Yeah, no, hallelujah, Holy Spirit. We just want to get the atmosphere right for... No, no, no. The, 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 he's here. Your prayer doesn't have to go higher than your nose. Am I, am I correct? Amen. Hallelujah. It, it, listen to what, what the, 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 that same verse, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23, in the, the, the Passion Translation says it like this. A virgin will be pregnant. She will give birth to a son, and he will be known as Emmanuel, which means in the Hebrew, God became one of us. Oh, hallelujah. See, I believe that this is the message of the gospel. This is the message of Jesus Christ. We get sometimes a little distracted by, by all of the miraculous, but then we don't know what is the message. When God sent Jesus, what was he trying to communicate to you and me? Not what is he trying, what is he communicating to you and me? What is he, com listen, what is he communicating to the world? What is he saying to the world? Let me put it this way. If God is truly with us, amongst us, commingled with us, what does that look like? I mean, let's face it. What does it look like? People say, well, if the, what, how, what, what does it look like? Then if this God, well, who is this God? Let's just quickly go and, just, and, and, and look at some... Because this is a whole message by itself that I'm just throwing out there at you. But who is this God? Well, in Colossians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 16, Paul says this about who God is, who Jesus is, who God in Jesus is. And this is what he says. He says, for us, there is only one God, the Father, who is the source of all things. He is the source of all things. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 6. And then he says, and for whom we have life and one Lord Jesus Christ through and by whom are all things. Everybody say all things. You understand all things means all things. I mean, it doesn't mean some things. I mean all things. He is the source of all things. And then he says, whom, uh, he, uh, by whom are all things and through and by whom ourselves, we ourselves exist. You know, here's an here, interesting, uh, interesting fact. When you look at Paul in the book of Acts, you find Paul in, uh, on Mars Hill in Athens. Athens was like the, the center of world culture at that time. World religions at that time. 
And, and, and Paul is walking around on Mars Hill, and he, uh, the, the, all the philosophers are there. And so they recognize Paul, and they say, Paul, come, come and speak to us your wisdom. And Paul gets up. And Paul starts talking to them and he says, I've been walking around here. I've been looking at all these temples and all of these uh, uh, places of worship. And I've seen this altar to the unknown God. He says, let me tell you a little bit about this unknown God. And then he begins and how God is the creator of all things. He goes through the whole history of, of God with Israel. And then he comes and then he says, now who's he speaking to? He's in Athens, and it's the center of the pagan world. And who's he speaking to? He's speaking to pagans. He's not speaking to believers. And this is what he says to the pagans. He says, as your prophets have said, in him we live and move and have I'll be. Anybody know that song? Uh, only the guys that are gray like me, they will remember that song. Amen. In him we live and move. See, I thought, I thought that's a Christian song. Paul quotes, Paul quotes a heathen prophetic song. And he says to them, as your prophets have said, in him, now notice he doesn't say, in him I live, and you don't. Wow. Come on, church. Wow. He doesn't say to them, by the way, because you're all heathens, you don't live. No, what he's saying is, don't you realize the fact that you breathe and have a breath of air is because God's involved. God's involved in your life. Do you think that God's only involved in Christians' lives? Oh, come on now. People say to me, well, Arthur, are you, are you saying that everybody's saved? I'm not saying everybody's saved. I'm just saying the fact that you live in, in the economy of God, in the creation of God, God is involved in your life. And when he sent Jesus... He is Emmanuel, not only to you as a believer, but he's Emmanuel to the world. The world just doesn't know about it because we don't talk about it. We don't preach it. We, we, we own it only to ourselves. But the good news will be if we go to the world and say, do you realize that you're not alone? Do you realize that God is with you, intermingled with you right now? Why? Well, because you are His creation. Now, this messes with people's theology. But the, the truth is, that's the good news. The, what, what are we celebrating? We are celebrating next Saturday. We are celebrating a truth that God in Christ has come. And this world, listen to me, the, the stuff that's been going on, people will say, well, where's God in all of this? Let me tell you, I can tell you where God is. He's with you, he's with you, he's with you, he's with you, he's with all of us. We are not alone. It looks like the world is going to a hell in a handbasket. But I'm telling you, God is here and He is with you. Who's this God? He's the one who is the source of all things. Hallelujah. He is the one who holds all things together. If God, now listen, if this same God who is the creator, who is the one who holds all things together, who is the one by whom all things were created, for whom all things were created, if this God is the God who came in Christ and he wanted to impress you with his divinity and he wanted to impress you with his supernatural abilities and powers, then I believe, then he would have come in what I call a cosmic splendor of absolute, uh, uh, you know, overwhelming fanfare. 
He could have come. He, I mean, he's God. He could have come in such a splash that he could have caused the whole foundations of the cosmos to shudder and shake and bring this earth to a place where every man, woman, and child would have fallen on their, on their faces because God Almighty is here. But how does he come? How does he come? He comes in the incarnation. God is now for the first time going to introduce himself to mankind in a way that you and I can understand. Does he come with a fanfare? No, he comes. The Bible tells us Luke chapter 2. I'm not going to read it all. But Luke chapter 2 is where the, the, uh, the shepherds are in the field. And the Bible says, and the glory of the Lord, the angel of the Lord came and the glory of the Lord shone around about them. And, and the first reaction of these people were they were terrified. See, God understood that if he came and introduced himself as this almighty, powerful, If he came as this mighty God and with fanfare, every man, woman, and child would have been so terrified. But how does he come? He comes as a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. God Almighty, the creator of the universe. The one who holds everything together comes and introduces himself to us as a baby. Brother and sister, let me tell you something. Say to me, what does this mean? This is what it means. If you look at that baby in the manger, I hear a baby. <laughs> if I bring that baby up here, I've done it in services where I bring, I said, bring that baby up. And I bring it, and everybody will go, oh, shame. Oh. God Almighty comes. And I ask you this. What's dangerous? What is ominous? What is threatening about a baby lying in a manger? Nothing. That tells you everything you want to know about God. Amen. Not, what the, not what religion is telling you about God. What is God telling you about himself? He comes into this world. He is God. That baby is God. Fully God. Colossians. Paul says, in him bodily. That means in his body dwelleth. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is God. He is fully God. And he comes entrusting himself to his own creation. Amen. I want you to think about that. That's giving you the message really that God really wants you to get. That God Almighty, when He comes, what does it look like when God is with me? When God is with me, there's nothing to fear. Hallelujah. There's nothing to fear. What's God saying? I am the God. I'm not just the God for you. I'm not just the God to you. I am the God who is with you. And I mean you no harm. 
Give the Lord a big hand. Hallelujah. I mean you no harm. Hallelujah. This baby in the manger wrapped in swaddling clothes is God's message to you today. It's your Next Saturday, when we celebrate Christmas, I want you to remember this. I want you to be able to communicate this to the people around you, whether they're believers or not believers. God is with you. He's by you. He's intermingled with you. You might not know it right now, but that's the reality. Amen. And you see, when we understand that, see, Jesus then, he grows up in submission to his family, his father and his mother, grows up. God, the all-wise, all-knowing God, allows himself to live in submission to his own creation. Depending on the protection, when Herod wanted to kill Jesus, they had to go and protect him and take him away, take him to Egypt. Think about that for a moment. You see, when you and I understand, this shows us that Emmanuel with us, it clearly shows us what it means to have Emmanuel with us. You know, Pastor Tafari, I'm just going to quickly go. I've got five minutes here, so I'm going to run. If you go, if you go to John, and, I, and I, I don't want you to go to these verses necessarily, but you go to the, to the end of the book of John. John tells us why he wrote his gospel the way he wrote it. Let me just read this for you just very, very briefly. Uh, John chapter 20 and verse 30 says this. He says, uh, 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 John writes and he says, There are so many things, signs and miracles which Jesus performed in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. So now here, John tells us, he says, listen, he says, there's a lot of things Jesus did and said, you know, things that Jesus uh, taught. He says that are not written in this book. Now, he's not talking about your Bible. He's talking about his gospel. He's the book of John. He says, I, he says there was a lot. In fact, John, if you go a little bit further, he says, if everything Jesus did and said had to be recorded in books, there would not be room enough in the world to keep those books. Are you with me? Now, here's an interesting thing about this for me. Is that, that um, somebody that I really trust. Uh, I, I don't like to throw names around. But Andrew Womack. He and I were talking about this. And he said, you know, he said, I studied this out. And I had a look. If you take everything that was written about Jesus in both Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it only accounts for two and a half months of Jesus' life and ministry. Now think, I want you to think about this for a moment. So John, what John doing? John says, listen, there's a lot of things I could have written about. But I did not include it in my book. Why? Verse 31. Because these are written. He says, what I did write or record. In order that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the son of God. And that through believing, cleaving, trusting, relying upon him, you may have life. Through his name. So here's what I want you to see. John says, there's a lot I could have said about what Jesus did and, and, and taught. Which I didn't include in my, but what I did include. That means John purposely designed his gospel for a specific purpose. Now, I want to give you, for, for how many weeks are you not having church now? 
two weeks, right? In these next two weeks, go and read the book of John. But go and read the book of John with this in mind. In mind that John wrote this so that you will believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Come on now. All right, now watch this. I want you to see this. Go and read it with that in mind and go and have a look. And I'll quickly just run a couple of things through. And you'll know these because this is, these are known. The first miracle, Pastor Tafara referred to it in his offering message. First miracle in the book of John. What is it? The, the wedding feast in Cana of Galilee. I want you to see this. Where do you find Jesus? Because this is the same message John is trying to get across to you and me. What does it mean when God is with me? If God is with you, you will also find him with you when you are not necessarily spiritual. Where, where do you, you don't find, the, in this scene here, he begins, he begins his gospel. And he says, listen, you want to know what it means to have God with you? This is what it means. And he begins with the wedding feast. See, in those days, they understood what a, what a wedding feast is. Come on, a proper wedding, right? You know, when Kathy and I went to America, the first thing we had to deal with in America is my, my daughter's wedding in America. And there, you go to a wedding venue, they only hire it out for a certain amount of hours. So they come in, they said, uh, we, we said, what date? So I said, that, we want it on this date. Uh, the morning or the evening? I said, yes. <laughs> no, 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 you can only have it for four hours. Oh, no, we haven't even started yet. Right? In those days, they used to have a wedding feast Four to five days. They've had a wedding feast and they have been partying that there's no more wine. No, I want you, I want you to think about this. Where do you find Jesus? He's there in the party. Emmanuel. He is with us. And he's with you when you are not necessarily spiritual. It doesn't say, and Jesus and his disciples were gathered together with the people in the temple. No, no, at the wedding feast. And the problem was, there was no wine. And his mother comes to him and says to him, Jesus, by the way, they have run out of wine. Jesus, this is just my interpretation. Jesus says, what's that got to do with me? She knew, she says to the servants, to the slaves, whatever he tells you to do, go do it. Jesus said, okay, fine. So he says, listen, you see those pots at the back? Those, are, those vessels, they were big vessels of, 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 of washing water that they used for washing. And, and He said, fill those vessels with water. So now can you imagine, they have these, these slaves, they're filling these vessels with water. Then he says to them, and take a cup and then take it to the master of ceremonies as wine. Can you, ima can you imagine being a slave in those days and you have been putting water in these pots? And then you are instructed to take a cup of that water and take it to the master and tell him it's wine. I'm sure the one said, you go do it. The other one said, no, 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 you do it. And when they drank that water, that water that's turned into wine, come on. It was the best of the wine. People say, see, people, Christians say, yeah, but you know, in those days, it was just grape juice. <laughs> It wasn't fermented wine. No, no, no. Read it. Read it. it say, if, you, if you read it, it says, but when men are well drunk, then you give them the bad wine. How come you're giving us the good wine now? 
That means the people were well drunk. Oh, no. Listen, Nati, if you've got any religion in you, you won't like this. But this is what it means. I, I, and, and I'm going to leave you with this. What does it mean? This is what it means. God is with us when we're not necessarily spiritual. God cares enough that He is willing to replenish whatever is depleted in your life. Listen, whether, whether it be spiritual, physical, emotional, social, whatever it is, to, listen, to the basic needs of making wine for you. I can see some of you. Are you saying that we can just go and drink? And I'm not saying. I'm just telling you what Jesus is saying. I'm telling you. Now you do with that whatever you want. Because I know people are going to go and say, Arthur is advocating that we all sit and drink and get drunk. I'm not saying. I'm just telling you where I find Jesus. You know what? You are going to find yourself in places where you are not necessarily spiritual. And you're going to get to a place where things are depleted in your life. And because of your religious mindset, you're not going to call on the God who is with you, who's even willing and cares enough to make good wine. And here's the other. He doesn't care why you ran out of the wine. Yeah, now I knew you would, I know you would come out with this one. I knew, I just knew he would come out with this one. But, I mean, there could have been a hundred reasons why. It could have been bad planning. Yeah, Jesus could have said, well, whose bad planning is this? Now, I, do you expect me now to do something because you just had bad planning? You didn't have foresight. Come now. Listen, it could have been because of the overindulgence of the people who were there. Amen. Notice the Bible says Jesus and his disciples were there. You know that his disciples were all sailors. You didn't get it. Maybe Jesus, maybe Jesus, if you didn't bring all of your disciples with you, we would have had enough wine. <laughs> Hallelujah. It, it could have been that there was a bad harvest the year before. And they were limited. Whatever it is, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. Hallelujah. Go through the book of John and go and look. Go and look at the feeding of the 5,000. Go and look at the rescue of the disciples on the lake where they had rowed all night and they had come to the end of themselves and they couldn't go any further. He comes and he changes the viscosity of water and he walks on water and saves them, delivers them. Go and look at the, and every one of those, you will see what it means to have God with you. Amen. And then I want to leave you with that last promise Jesus made. The last words of Jesus in the book of Matthew are these words. If I'm, I'm going to read this out of the, the uh, uh, Passion Translation. It says, it says this, Jesus said, Teach them to uh, faithfully follow all that I have commanded you and never forget. Say to your neighbor, say your, your friend, your, your foe, <laughs> and just say, never forget. Jesus said, never forget. Now, you, now listen, these are the last words of Jesus. I mean, these are very important words. He could have come and said, never forget. And he could have come with a whole. But this is what he says. Never forget. I am with you always. Even to the end of this age. 
Hallelujah. Okay, let me, let me just say it. I am. I am with you. Always. I am. The great I am. I am the great I am. And the I am is with you always. Even to the end of the age. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a big hand. Praise God. I'm sorry I went a little over time. But you know what? I tell you what. I want you to leave this place today. I want you to go to your families. I want you to get together with your friends. And I want you to to radiate this reality. When, when, when they start talking about how the world is falling apart and, and it's like God has forsaken us, I want you to radiate. No, God is with us. He is the, the great I am is with us. He is Emmanuel. God with us. That's what we're celebrating. We're not, we're, not, we're not celebrating the giving of gift, which is great. That's wonderful. It's, I understand. But listen, what it is, is the greatest gift God could have ever given us is when God said, I will never allow you to be alone again. He said to me, but Arthur, you don't know my situation. You don't know my circumstances. You don't know what's going on. No, I, I might not know all of that. But what I do know is, in the midst of that, He is with you. He is with you. And He cares. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Emmanuel. Hallelujah. I want you just to let, raise your hands. And let's just come and just acknowledge Emmanuel. I want you to whisper that name. Emmanuel. You are with us, Father. You will never leave us. Never, never forsake us. You'll never let go. Even when we let go, thank God you don't let go. Lord, I just pray for each person here. Lord, I pray for those at home watching via the internet this morning. I pray that you will show yourself faithful. Thank you that the sign that you are God and that you have spoken and that you will bring it to pass is that Emmanuel is God with us today. Father, I just pray right now for those who are here and for those who are watching online. And if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're here today and you've never uh, asked Jesus to come into your life, then now is the time. Why wait? He's with you anyway. He's there by you. He's never left you. So let's pray this prayer together. If you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never uh, 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 spoken out and said, Jesus, I receive you, then right now is the opportunity. Right now is the time. Now is the time of salvation. Hallelujah. So let's all pray this prayer together. And, and, and those of you that, that want to pray this and you want to mean it in your heart, then pray along. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you thank for you. Jesus. For Jesus. Thank you that you sent Jesus. Thank you that you sent Jesus. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. Thank you that he shed his blood. Thank you that you shed his blood. For me. For me. Jesus. Jesus. I receive. I receive. Salvation. Salvation. Thank you that I'm cleansed. Thank you that I'm cleansed. By your blood. <coughs> By your blood. 
I'm a new creation. I'm a new creation. I'm co-seated with you. I'm co-seated with in you. heavenly places. In heavenly places. In Jesus' name. In Jesus. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Pastor. Hallelujah. Praise God, man. Why don't you give God praise? Hallelujah. Wasn't that awesome? Thank you, Jesus. Man, we are never alone. God is with us and we have a promise. He said he will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen. And man, I'm telling you, you may want to listen to that over and over and over again until it's a reality in your heart. Amen. Well, we just want to thank Arthur and Kathy for making time to just be with us again this year. Amen. Praise God. We look forward to next year. It's going to be awesome. Amen. And so if you want to follow them around, they're going to be in Durban at the Faith Church in Durban on the 9th of January. It is going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. Also, just a quick reminder, we have all of his three books uh, out at the uh, books table. So please be sure to uh, get all three and uh, run back in so he can sign them for you. Amen. Well, we love you. God bless you. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.